Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, there's been lots of stuff going on in Indianapolis as of late, particularly uh, a little bit of a dispute on both ends of Market Street, the city county building and the state house. And so here to walk us through all that and all the things been going on in Indy is our good friend James Briggs, formerly the Indianapolis star, now of Axios, Indiana. James, Axios, Indianapolis. There we go. James, my friend, how's it going? Haven't hey. seen you in a while. I know. Not, not since uh, before you were a candidate for office. How are you doing? Uh, doing better. Good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I tell, like I tell my wife, next time I'm going to try kryptonite to kill me. So <laughs> No, but everything is going well. Can't, can't complain, my friend. Um, so uh, how would you describe house life in Indy? Uh, first of all, what is Axios Indianapolis, by the way? So uh, we are uh, basically launching uh, local coverage uh, for Axios, which is a national news site based in D.C. We're in 30 markets providing local news around the country now, and we launched in Indianapolis in April. Uh, so we're covering all things city, state, um, from government stuff to restaurant stuff, uh, pretty much anything that you might be interested in as a news reader and consumer. We have a newsletter that comes out 6.30 a.m. every day during the week, and you can sign up for that on our website. Um, so uh, let me ask you this. Obviously, uh, there's a big discussion these days over local news coverage with, with cutbacks. We, we know see what's going on with uh, Gannett and our, our friends and colleagues over at the Indianapolis Star, you know, and also whether it's TV stations, even radio stations, people are experiencing cutbacks. What do you guys, why was Axios founded? To, to sort of fill that gap? Yeah, so uh, the term that you'll hear a lot is uh, smart brevity. There's even a book by that name uh, by the co-founders for Axios, and uh, basically Axios was created to solve the problem of uh, too too much news that's uh, maybe written for people who don't, uh, you know, like thousands of words article. And I, all right, let me, I guess, put it this way. I started paying attention to Axios early during the Trump era when every day there were like 10 major breaking stories and I didn't have time to read all that stuff. If you go to Axios, you get like a 300-word version of like the 3,000-word story that the New York Times has and you can... Uh, follow everything that's going on very quickly, and we're doing that same thing that Axios has been doing for years on the national level here in Indianapolis, where you get in our newsletter and everything you need to know that's going on in the city. Hopefully, we'll have that for you in about 900, 950 words every single day. So let's talk about what's been going on in the uh, city of Indianapolis uh, as of late. I know one of the big issues uh, here has been crime. We had the, the incident on the circle by Rocket Fizz, a couple teenagers uh, arrested. Uh, your thoughts? Um, on, on crime more broadly, or yeah, uh, uh, well, it's. I, I think your perspective on that just depends on what you're looking at. I mean, I just saw IMPD data uh, through the end of May. Homicides are down overall. Um, we, the downtown conversation has been going on and on and on. And I think statistically, it's one of the safer areas in the city. But yeah, they're also. Uh, people have seen problems and challenges down here. There are incidents like that. There are other things that you know you can hear anecdotally people who've experienced problems down here. So I really think it just depends on, on your perspective and what you expect to experience in a city. No, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, when I ran for mayor, we did some polling, and it was interesting. Just to do a, we did a breakdown by township, and the township you lived in, it was the two big issues were crime and roads. But if you were like say you know Franklin Township, it was roads. But if you were in Center Township, it was crime. 
Well, that's the thing, right? We're all in our own bubbles, and where you live, how you experience the city, I think that influences what, uh, which issues are most important to you, what's on your mind, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised to hear that there's a very geographic-based influence on that. Um, James Riggs with us. Uh, James is with Axios Indianapolis. Uh, the the sort of um, how, how would you how would you describe you guys? Um, well, again, I, to, to overuse the term smart brevity, I mean, the, the point is you pull up one of our stories and you should be able to learn what you need to know, um, like an article that fits onto the screen of your phone, right? So we're not trying to waste your time with a bunch of stuff that you don't need to read and don't care about. Uh, we're trying to be respectful of the audience's time and uh, give you what you need to know in a very short period of time. Uh, one of the big issues that's out there uh, is, of course, the issue of, of gun and gun-related violence. And you have the, the mayor, and this is where the twins of Market Street sort of uh, conflict with each other, because you have the mayor on the one hand uh, talk about concealed carry permits and permitless carry, and the city wanted to pass an ordinance to crack down on that. But on the other hand, you've got the, the state of Indiana saying, hey, guys, you can't do any sort of preemptive type things. Uh, what's going on with that? I mean, it seems like the mayor is picking a fight with the state house on an issue that he has been relatively quiet on uh, during his time as mayor. And, and I think there's kind of a lot of frustration boiling over on guns in Indianapolis, where you have a lot of people saying, do something about violence. Well, doing something about violence in Indianapolis sort of goes hand in hand with doing something about guns, but the city can't do anything about guns. The city can't do any policy. And I wrote something the other day that sort of speaks to that. In the city right now is having nine uh, averaging nine accidental shootings per month. That's kids getting their parents' gun and shooting each other, shooting themselves. And there's just some really, really awful stories just in the last couple months of, uh, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old children killing themselves and each other because the guns aren't protected. And so there's just the proliferation of guns in Indianapolis is causing major problems, whether there's violent intent behind someone pulling the trigger or in many cases not. And so, yeah, when you have all those guns, there are going to be a lot of uh, a lot of there are going to be a lot of shootings, uh, both criminal homicides and non-criminal homicides. And uh, I, th I think the mayor is finally uh, sort of stepping out and expressing some frustration with the state house that wants the city to improve the situation, but uh, isn't offering any gun-based uh, path for the city to do anything about it. See, because one thing that always uh, sort of surprised me was the fact that, um, and I'm sure IMPD does this, is... Obviously, the the state has its gun laws, and the, the gun laws aren't going to change anytime soon. Right. So the so the least so the very least you can do is go after the illegal gun trade and you know the illegal gun possession. You know, go on go on social media, see where kids are selling guns to you know, each other, or for that matter, you go on um, you know Facebook any sort of website and see someone who's you know shouldn't be in, should, who should who should not be in possession of a firearm. Go, go after those folks. That's, that's probably going to be the only way you're going to do this until you start changing the culture culture. Well, that's generally the space that Mayor Joe Hogshead has found as his like comfort zone in talking about the issue over the years. He talks, I mean, the phrase illegally possessed guns, he said over and over and over again, and that's typically where he's... Uh, constrained his own voice on the issue but uh, this this speech a couple of weeks ago where he sort of went after the Indiana General Assembly on guns and gun policy I think I think he's really kind of picking a fight there and also not coincidentally is in a uh, mayoral election um, going against someone where I think they would sort of like guns to be part of the issue uh, they earlier a few weeks ago were trying to tie the Republican Jefferson Shreve to the NRA so it seems like they probably have some polling that shows gun is an issue that's on people's minds and they they, they seem to want that to be an issue in the campaign. Well, one thing I can say about uh, Jefferson Tree, because Jefferson and I have spoken before, uh, Jefferson uh, is a member of the NRA, uh, and he does own a firearm, but he owns a firearm for protection, because his home got broken into. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't blame somebody for right. purchasing a gun, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're a victim of crime. <laughs> 
call me call me crazy, but sure, it it is what it is. Uh, James Briggs with us uh, on the program today. Just kind of talk about what's been going on in the city of Indianapolis as of late. Uh, another big uh, sort of spat between uh, the city and the state is no right turn on red. I was amazed how that became an issue so fast, so quick. Yeah, I, I was too, honestly. Um, it, and for reasons I didn't expect, when it, when it was first announced, the one thing I thought would be a big criticism is that it's extremely unenforceable, right? Like, just spend any time in downtown Indianapolis and you see people running red lights, speeding down the street, ignoring all signs and signals, and it doesn't matter. Like, IMPD doesn't have the resources to write traffic tickets. Like, tickets have just plummeted. There's no traffic enforcement whatsoever. So what you're saying, yellow means speed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, I mean, this is not going to be a heavily enforced policy. I mean, basically, and the IMPD sort of acknowledged when this was first rolled out, before it became a statehouse issue, um, that there's, like, they use the word personal responsibility. So basically, it's going to be up to people to look up, see the sign, not turn right on red. Um, so this really is not something that's going to be heavily enforced. And so for it to have escalated Escalated to the point that the state house quickly swooped in uh, with Republican Senator um, Aaron Freeman and uh, basically banned the city from banning red on uh, right turns on red. It was a surprise to me because I just didn't see it as probably much of a change from what we what exists right now. Uh, but now, yeah, yeah, now uh, the state banned the city from banning right turns on red, and now the city. Uh, pushed back and did it anyway, and uh, Senator Freeman says that it's going to be up to the courts and possibly next year's uh, state legislature session to determine what happens next. Yeah, because I know the big issue was uh, <clears throat> not so much whether the city could enforce it because law didn't go into effect until uh, July 1, uh, but, the, but the issue was, okay, can we do this? And when does law go into effect? Like, well, page 26 of the bill tells you when law goes to effect, goes to effect <laughs> July 1. But there was a question, could you grandfather in sort of no right turns? Yeah, and that and that's I mean that would be I think very difficult because the city already has uh, no turn on red signs all over the place in you know both downtown and other areas from Castleton to Irvington uh, those signs exist all over but also I mean it's it's extremely strange as city councilors have pointed out for the state to regulate that sort of local decision making when I drive through like Greenfield and see no right on red signs and this is something that happens in towns all over the state so it's it's a little bit of a novel idea for the state to get involved, although to Senator Freeman's point, the reason he did so is because the city was just imposing a blanket ban across downtown, so he said that was the difference maker. Our guest on the program today is James Briggs. James is with Axios Indianapolis, uh, a political, a news political website. And, and they don't just do politics. They also do they do government. They do feature stuff, uh, sports stuff related, you name it. Um, what are some of the, the big issues that you think is facing Indianapolis right now? Um, well, no, let me take that back. We've got a mayor's race going on, <laughs> which, which I'm quite familiar with. Um, what do you see happening, particularly here in Indianapolis, with the mayor's race? I think that seems really unpredictable right now for reasons that you can probably speak well to, but we've never had a situation where a candidate is spending anywhere close to as much money as Republican Jefferson Treve is. So you have $2 million a, yes, you, in the primary. You, you have a city that's uh, trending left, trending Democratic, um, and, and becoming increasingly safe. You have a very lopsided Democratic advantage on the city county council. Uh, all common sense suggests that Democrats just have a, a massive advantage, but the kind of money that Jefferson Shreve is spending is a real wild card here. And so I think the question is, what does he do with that money and how effective will it be spent? Uh, and I, I think that's going to take some time to figure out. Also, I think what's interesting, too, is that uh, 
Joe Hawkins is going for a third term, and third terms, you know, are always sure. always difficult to do because by then you you basically ticked off everybody. It's it's like the old joke we used to say back in Illinois when you ran for uh, state's attorney. Uh, by the end of your second term, you put everybody's mother, brother, sister, cousin, father in jail. So you're probably going to go run for judge or go do something like that because your your time is up. Uh, how easy, difficult thing is going to be for Joe to get a third term? Yeah, I think to your point, history suggests people get tired of elected officials after a couple of terms. But this is also sort of an interesting scenario in which I think Mayor Joe Hogsett has been just extremely cautious over his first two terms and is really just now taking the kinds of risks that might tire someone of an elected official. For instance, the the hotel story right now where the city is going to finance a city-owned hotel where the private market wouldn't support it. Uh, That's a huge deal just approved in the past week by the City County Council where the city is basically bailing out Kite, the developer, which couldn't uh, finance the hotel adjacent to the convention center. And that's, that's become a very controversial issue. And if you look back over the mayor's couple of terms, there have been very, very few moments where something has risen to this level of controversy. He hasn't taken these types of risks. He hasn't put himself out there like that. And so it's an interesting moment where he, for the first time in his uh, tenure as mayor, I mean, maybe COVID, but everyone was sort of out on a limb during COVID, including the Republican governor. This is the first time on just regular city business that the mayor has really putting a stake in the ground and uh, taking some big political risks as part of the job. And so I think that's kind of opening up some new conversations while this mayor's race plays out. And it's interesting, too, because, uh, like I said, Jefferson uh, spent $2 million in the primary, so he can self-fund. So I always kind of jokingly said that he's got the he's he's got the easy part, which is the money part. Now, <laughs> right. now it's focused on the message. And also, uh, because I argue Republicans cannot win with Republican votes alone in Marion County. you got to get those independent and those moderate Democrats. So well, what should Jefferson Tree be doing? Uh, to win those those moderate independents. Well, that's something I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on because the messaging, and you saw this as an opponent of Jefferson Shreve during the primary, the messaging uh, so far has been overwhelmingly negative. It sort of depicts Indianapolis as, uh, you know, sort of overtaken by, by crime and uh, infrastructure problems. And I, I think... There's like a certain uh, there's a certain constituency that I think can nod their heads to that message, but I think a lot of people who show up and vote in Marion County don't necessarily see the city that way. I'm curious what you, as someone who was running against him, what did you think when you saw that 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 campaign messaging from Jefferson? Um, we thought he, we thought he focused heavily on crime, but we but when I ran, we're like, hey, we're gonna do public safety, public works, and public trust, crime roads, and sort of uh, sort of a lay sort of over the city of Naples, sort of a drift, like no real direction or anything. For example, you had Peterson who built hotels. Uh, Greg Ballard did the infrastructure. Joe's, Joe's big issue was supposed to be the crime issue, but it's still kind of like, uh, yeah. sort of whatever. But I, th- I thought it was interesting from that perspective that Jefferson, when he ran, focused uh, heavily on the crime issue, almost as if he was running sort of a general election yeah. campaign. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think kind of a message that it would appeal, and you saw um, Eric Doden, he's kind of a little-known uh, Republican running for governor, but you've seen Eric Doden sort of attach himself to the Jefferson Shreve messaging a little bit, and that's, I think, kind of understandable to me. That's the sort of taking on Indiana, Indianapolis and sort of uh, depicting it as like this overrun with crime city, that's that's a message that I think probably is appealing on a statewide basis. I, I'm a little skeptical that it's going to reach people locally and the people who are going to show up and vote in November. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Our guest on the program today is James Briggs. James is with Axios Indianapolis. Uh, with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Just kind of talk about what's been going on uh, here in the city of Indianapolis. Um, roads and infrastructure is obviously going to be a big, big deal going forward. Uh, you got a summer study committee coming up this summer about lane miles versus highway miles versus Indianapolis gets the same amount of funding as Silver Greenwood does. Uh, what do you see happening with our roads and infrastructure? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't have any predictions there, but it does seem like in the last couple of years there's been a little bit more um, openness from Republicans in the state house to consider the possibility that the that the road funding formula needs to be tweaked a little bit, and you're, I think you're seeing that play out right now. So eventually, I would imagine this has to lead to a situation where uh, the city is getting a little bit more per lane mile, and that's sort of one of the big problems is that you have uh, rural uh, counties throughout Indiana that are getting disproportionate money because their l- little two-lane county roads are uh, counting for the same as the... Meridian. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the very, very, very wide roads and infrastructure in Indianapolis, which is just not the same thing. They're very different when it comes to maintenance. Um, so eventually, I think something has to change there. Uh, the, the city seems to have sort of maxed out its own capacity to deal with infrastructure on its own, and at some point is going to need a, a, a little bit more share of the money that it sends to the state house. Uh, well, I want to say there's still uh, there's still a couple more things that the city can do uh, for road funding, but the question is, do people want to pay more? Like, yeah. Like, like, for example, the wheel tax. So Indianapolis only does like I think like twenty five percent of the wheel tax when it could do like eighty cent on the wheel tax, and that's a real fascinating dynamic where you uh, consistently the last f- few years have seen um, state legislative Republicans calling on the Indianapolis mayor who's a Democrat to raise taxes <laughs> in in a state that normally frowns on taxes, but uh, it, it's been interesting to see Republicans suggest that the, the tax increase would be just the right strategy in Indianapolis with a Democratic mayor and council um, and. A little bit of pressure going into an election year on that issue too, so that's been kind of interesting to watch. And also, what uh, a, a number of Republican lawmakers have told me is like, we gave Indianapolis the tools. Like, use all the tools in your toolkit first, and then come to us and ask for right. ask for help. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, this past week, uh, the mayor announced, uh, along with downtown Indy, uh, some. Uh, Closing up parts of Monument Circle, closing up Georgia Street to pedestrian to, to vehicle traffic, pedestrian traffic. Um, how do you think that's going to work? Particularly uh, because Monument Circle, unlike a lot of sort of town squares, isn't a whole lot of retail merchant business. It's Columbia Club. It's in office buildings. Yeah, and it seems probably to be sort of not living up to its potential in that way. I mean, we just had that salad business on the Circle close a a few weeks ago. Green District. Yeah, Um, and a lot of places like that haven't done particularly well around here, but uh, I think it's an interesting experiment to see a partial closure, whether that brings more people here. I mean, maybe that's that's the reason that businesses are kind of struggling around here. For one thing, we're sort of in this new era where people aren't coming to office buildings downtown right now, but if you create spaces where people are going to be walking around, will people come? If they do, does that make it a little bit easier for businesses to survive? I don't know the answers uh, to those questions, but it's kind of an interesting experiment to watch play out. And it's also the public perception, too, that downtown isn't safe. It's it's safer than it is, but it's still got some some issues and concerns for somebody who's down here, like, literally every day of the freaking week. So Yeah, and, and you know, some people say that, too, that depends on what time you're down here, which I, I, I guess makes sense. I don't spend a lot of time down here after, like, 10 o'clock at night, so I can't speak for that, but I, I haven't had, you know, many negative experiences during the time that I've been downtown, which is also every day. Uh, real fast, real quick, a couple seconds left here. Uh, what's coming up in uh, Axios? Um, Anything big or? Well, I think we will start covering some mayor's races, both here in Indianapolis and also taking a look at the suburbs a little bit more. Some real interesting mayor's races going on up in Hamilton Like Carmel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the Carmel one uh, is going to be really one of the most interesting mayor races in the nation this year uh, for, with Democrats for having the first opportunity ever to uh, win in a longtime Republican suburb. And that's kind of a, a national narrative there that's been playing out as Democrats gaining advantages in the suburbs. So I think that's really fascinating. All right. Well, James Briggs, Axios Indianapolis. James, our friend, always good to chat with you. Thanks for stopping by today. Yeah, great to see you. Thanks. 
This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.